So I want you to turn your Bible to Acts chapter number four. Acts chapter number four. We're preaching through the book of Acts. And uh, today, uh, we're going to be using those first 22 verses, just drawing from them. But we're not going to read all of those. I do want to read those first four verses for our text uh, today. So if you have Acts chapter number four, I hope you'll follow with me. Then keep your Bible open as we'll draw from other verses. You remember last week we talked about what a church ought to look like. That first church looked like what our church ought to look like. First of all, it was a praying church, right? They prayed. Secondly, it was a preaching church, right? Thirdly, it was a praising church, right? Yeah, sometimes we're too dignified. Vance Havner, they asked him about it. He said, well, some folks don't know the difference between dignity and rigor mortis, and I, I agree with that. So we ought to be a praising church. We ought to be a powerful church, right? And then we saw we ought to be a popular church. Not popular with all the crowd, but popular in the fact that they knew who we were. They need to know who we are. We, we, we'll never get red hot unless this world knows who we are. And so in Acts chapter 4, verse 1, look what it says. And as they spake unto the people, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. They're called Sadducees because they're Sadducees. <laughs> they're not happy. <laughs> Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now even tide. And how be it, this is the verse I love, Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men, that's not counting women and children, the number of the men was about 5,000. Now here we are, barely into the church, and we're already at 8,120 male members. We don't know how many other members we've got. And I guarantee you, somebody say, well, the pastor didn't come see me. I'm, I doubt they did. I doubt they did. You see, because you don't go to church so the pastor can come see you. When you get Jesus in your life, you go to church because you love Jesus, and so you can go see somebody that don't know Jesus. And so instead of griping about who don't come see you, why don't you start griping about that you're not going to see somebody? about Jesus Christ. And so, there's a, uh, in these verses, verses 1 through 22, there is a four-letter word that is prominent throughout the third and the fourth chapter, and it is the word name, N-A-M-E. The name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth is first used, Acts chapter 3, verse number 6. Acts chapter 3, verse 16. Acts chapter 4, verse number 7. Acts chapter 4, verse number 10. Acts chapter 4, verse number 12. Acts chapter 4, verse number 17. Acts chapter 4, verse number 18. Everything is wrapped up in the name of Jesus. Folks, we got a lot of clout. I mean, we've got a lot of clout. We're going in the name of Jesus. 
That's clout we have, power that God has given us. And, and notice that this, this new and freshly birthed church was not relying on their reputation or their denomination or some kind of tradition or popularity or some past leader that they'd had in the past, but everything was based upon the name of Jesus. Nothing was mentioned about Baptist, but a lot was mentioned about boldness. Mm. Nothing was mentioned about members, but a lot was mentioned about believers. And so today, I want to look at that, his name. Why is that important? Well, it's a term by which the person is known. You have a name. Now, you look around, you don't know everybody in this building up upstairs. You don't know everybody. We don't, all of us probably don't know every name in this building. We know there's a person sitting there, but we don't know their name. Why? Because they're identified by their name. And when you can't think of their name, sometimes it's hard to describe who certain people are. And so it's a term to which the person is known. It's, it's a title and it's an identity. For Jesus, it was a title that represented his character, but it was also an identity that represented his power. When you thought of Jesus, you thought of a title, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that spoke of his character, who he was, what he did. Then we, when we think about his name, we think about his power and how he was able to heal and how he was able to walk on the water and how he was able to ascend up to the heavens and how he was able to walk out in the resurrection. And we think about all of those things when we think about the name of Jesus. He bore a title that would rise above every power, every problem. Think about it. Listen, you have some clout over every power. Uh, that, 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 little old, that little old tin can ruler up there in North Korea, he may have a bunch of bombs. I don't know what he's got. I think he's playing with Tinker Toys, but I don't know what he's got. But it doesn't matter what he's got. I will tell you something. The name of Jesus rises above his name at a heartbeat. Not only that, whatever problem you have, and you've got a lot of them in this building, if we collectively looked at our problems, we have a lot of problems. But the name of Jesus rises above every problem you have. And the name of Jesus rises above every perversion that's in this old world. We think, well, there's no hope. There's just no hope. This world has gone too far. Listen, I'm telling you, it won't go any further than God will let it go. And I'll tell you, he, he rose, the name of Jesus rises above any predicament we get in or any plans that we might have. He bore a title that would meet every need and necessity, the name of Jesus. I mean, there's so many names for Jesus. There is not one need that you can think of that's not mentioned in all the names of Jesus. It's in the Bible. He bore a title that would defeat every deception, that would defeat every destruction, that would, that would defeat every damnation that ever existed. His name was above it. 
And so when we look at his name, that's what they talked about here, the Lord Jesus Christ. They didn't want him to talk about his name because when you talked about his name, people thought about his character and they thought about his power. But if you talked about a Sadducee, they didn't think about his power and they didn't think about his character. They thought about his legalism. Y'all with me? So he bore a title that would stand above anything, anybody, any place, and any circumstance. It's a name above every name. And the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2, verses 9 through 11, and Ephesians chapter 1, verse number 21, that it is the name above all names, the name Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the man Nazareth, that's why they put, you know why they say Jesus Christ of Nazareth? You say, Nazareth was just a little hick town. It was, but there was a lot of people named Jesus because everybody wanted to be the one who would be able to bear the Messiah. A lot of people was named Jesus. The word Joshua in the Old Testament is the same word for Jesus in the New Testament. So when they said the Lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth, there was no doubt who they were talking about. Nazareth, a little old bitty place, he may have been the only Jesus there. And so when they named him Jesus Christ of Nazareth, everybody knew who he was, where he came from, and what he could do. Don't you think Nazareth, if they had to do over, would treat Jesus a little different? Amen. So there is a name I love to hear. I love to sing it words. It sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's just something about that name. Kings and kingdoms shall all pass away. But there's something about that name. This early church did everything in his name. Do you ever do everything in his name? Everything in his name, which meant upon, when you say you do it in Jesus' name, you do it upon the authority of Jesus. You do it upon the stand that Jesus would take upon that issue. You do it upon the command that God has given on that issue. So in his name meant just like he would do it if he was here. So when we say we're doing something in the name of Jesus, we're doing what we believe that Jesus would do if he was here. We have his book on it. We have his Holy Ghost in us. And we have the people of God around us. And we ought to know the will of God for us. And so we do his name because we have authority in that name. Now let's notice When you operate in the name of Jesus, here's what I found out. A lot of people don't like to operate. They like to throw the name of Jesus around. But they don't like to do what the name of Jesus tells them to do. For instance, it's church discipline. If you have, which is a thing of the past, we still try to have at least a semblance of some kind of church discipline here. And so when you discipline somebody here, folks want to get all upset and all ticked off about it instead of doing what the Bible says do, we're ready to get all mad, upset, 
and well, you know, that's my friend, so I just can't go with what God said. I'll have to go with what they say. Or we go to select somebody or pick, pick somebody for a task, and we believe it's God's will for them to have that task. But you say, well, you know, I don't particularly like them. You know, they didn't, God didn't give them that task so you could like them. God gave them that task so they could do it in his name, not so you could like them. And so sometimes, no matter what we do, somebody sing the special. Well, I tell you, I didn't like that special. We have some other folks can sing better than that. For that particular day, there's nobody that can sing better than that if Travis is in the will of God. He puts them there because it's in the name of Jesus. It's with the authority. How can you get excited about, maybe it's not a song that just like, uh, just flies you away and blows you away. How do you get excited about that in your heart? Because the Holy Ghost does something in Jesus' name and you know there's some clout behind that. Uh, so let me tell you what happens when you start doing that. Uh, y'all ready? First of all, there could be imprisonment. Look at verse 1 through 4. Quite a crowd gathered to hear Peter's sermon, but so had the religious rulers. Now, this is the beginning of the church's presentation or persecution that Jesus had promised. Look over to Matthew 10. I'm going to give you two, two places to underline in your Bible. And this is what Jesus had promised his disciples. It was... Not anything new. It was something that Jesus had promised his disciples. Matthew chapter 10, verse 17. Listen to what it said. But beware of men. I've been preaching long enough to know Jesus was really right about that. Beware of men, for they will deliver you up to councils, and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And you shall be brought before governors and kings for my sake. You see, something done in the name of Jesus stirs the enemy up. And you may be imprisoned for it. Look, and he goes on, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But let me give you another one. Y'all ready? Look in, in the Gospel of John, verse number 15. Gospel of John, number 15. Now, this is one that you want to make sure you underline in your Bibles. John chapter number 15, and look at verse number 18. If the world hates you, you know it had hated me before it hated you. So if you do something with the clout of Jesus, if you do something in the name of Jesus, if you do something in the word of Jesus, if you do something according to the plan and will of God of Jesus, I want you to notice that the scripture said they're going to hate you because they hated me when I did that. And look, if you were of the world, the world would love his own. you get along good with everybody if you just want to go along with the world. But you're not of the world. I've chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said to you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they persecuted me, they also will persecute you. And if they have kept my saying, they will keep yours also. In other words, he said, if they'll take my preaching, they'll take your preaching. Amen. Now, they may bring you up. Stand you before governors and kings and, and, and deputies and sheriffs, but expect it because it'll be coming in my name. 
now let's don't let's don't stop or look at John six uh, sixteen. Move over, and you can go ahead and read all of this is about that. These things have I spoken to you that you should not be offended. Now, some of you little eggshell believers, you know, man, I feel like sometimes I just have to do like this right here all, all the time, afraid I might hurt somebody's feelings. That offended me. Now, if you'd have said about somebody, it'd been all right. But you got offended. Jesus said, blessed, that means happy. A church that's not easily offended can be happy. Can be just, they, they can be in their heart blessed because they're not easily offended. They're not sitting back there pouting. They're not mad because somebody got the bathroom stall and they've been waiting in line 10 minutes. I mean, they just, blessed, look, blessed, blessed. Those that not be offended, they shall put you out of the synagogues. Yea, the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think he doeth God's service. There's coming a day when folks in the religious world are going to take care of truly born-again Christians who are operating in the name of Jesus Christ and put them to death and say they did it for God. And these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. Verse 4, but these things have I told you that when the time come, you may remember that I told you of them. You see? So, if you do things in the name of Jesus, Jesus has already told us there could be imprisonment, right? He told them that. So, expect it. I hope you didn't come down and, 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 and kneel at an altar and say you got saved with any false expectations. Expect some opposition. Expect maybe if even persecution, but expect there to be some folks who hate you for who you are and what you stand for. Now look, that, that imprisonment, let's look how, how it falls out. It, it, they're, they're opposed by liberals. The Sadducees were the liberals of the day scholarly liberals. You, 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 you can find that in Acts chapter 23, verse number 8, because you see, they did not believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in the afterlife. They were liberals. And they didn't believe in those particular things, so they were called the Sadducees. And if I didn't believe in the afterlife, I'd be sad too, wouldn't you? And so they were the liberals. You see, they let us know that this crowd, they had been explaining away all the supernatural. The liberals did not believe in the supernatural. How many of you believe in the supernatural? I do. I've seen it happen. I know the supernatural exists. I've watched God do it. I've seen him do it. And he, you see, but they said there, there was no supernatural. They explained everything in a humanistic sort of way. And so they knew if the common people, though, were ever to hear the message that somebody had risen from the dead, <laughs> they'd put their old dead theology out of business. So they tried to get them in trouble. Isn't it amazing how theologians want to keep us uh, common people from the truth? And so they hide it with their rhetoric because they think we don't understand their words. Now, some of us think it's dumb as we look. Say amen. And some, I know some of you, you ain't near as dumb as you look. 
No, no. No, sir. That's a compliment for y'all, okay? And, and I was hoping to get some amens, but I guess I, guess I didn't. But anyway, uh, we had a generation so for about 50 years where we ran preachers through liberal seminary machines and they literally killed our churches across this country. They went into churches with no fire and no fuel and no faith. And that's what they taught. As a result, churches died. That's why there was the resurgence in the Southern Baptist Convention um, years in, in the 70s and how it came back to try to take back what God had given them those years and to uh, finally recognized what was happening, and then they did. And now Calvinism has come in and tried to take it back over again. And so, folks, listen to me. To be a Christian, there will always be a battle to fight. And you'll always be a bit posed by the liberals. I talked to a fellow the other night that we was coming back, and he, he didn't believe in any of that stuff. He didn't believe in no afterlife. He didn't believe in all that stuff. He, I reckon he just believed you just died and went to the ground, and you was just dirt from then on. But secondly, they were accepted by the lost. Look at verse number four. The lost, while they was hearing them preach, even though they were opposed by the liberals, and liberals were doing everything they could to shut them up, why they preached, the lost people, the common people, the people heard them, and they were getting saved by bunches, bucketfuls of them getting saved. And it was all said and done, 5,000 men got saved. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? And can you imagine the, the, the stir that was going on among the theologians of that day? Even, the, even the, the conservative theologians, the Pharisees, can you imagine how they were feeling on that day? So, you know, Baptists sometimes just, uh, we don't really know how to act at church. And so when lost people come to church, they see what church is and they just say, well, if this is what church is, I'll just go home. Yeah, I'm telling you the truth. When they walk up and down the hall or they hear a conversation or they step, somebody won't speak to them or somebody won't get up and let them find their seat or, or, or somebody that won't be kind and nice to them and help them to find restrooms or help them to find the welcome centers or, or whatever they may be looking for, help them find children's in the nurseries and things like that. I, I mean, when they come to church and nobody tries to serve, nobody tries to care, you say, well, I'm not one of the ushers. You, listen, you don't have to have a seminary degree to take somebody to the nursery. Good night. Just take them up the steps. Say, thank you for coming Put your little brat, your little baby in here. <laughs> we'll take good care of them. Got them monitored. Got eyes on them everywhere. You go back down. Here's the greatest preacher who ever lived. Amen. And then they'll leave disappointed, not mad. I heard about two old hound dogs. They'd been on the trail, and finally they just gave up. These old coon hounds walked to the door of a Baptist church, one a, a country church, and they were having a business meeting that night. Them two old dogs 
ones in the building. If y'all remember in those days, the back doors usually stayed open or there was just an old screen door or something there. And, and they, they walked in, sat down at the back, leaned up against the wall, and they was watching what was going on during that Baptist business meeting. One of them looked at the other and said, if we acted like that, they'd worm us for morning. <laughs> Amen. Y'all know, y'all know I'm telling you the truth. So, folks, listen to me. I like what one person said. I want to preach, and the scholars came up and praised me. But now I want to preach so the sinners will come up and thank me. Mm. They was accepted by the lost. Why? Because they stood for the name of Jesus. You know why our hostages sometimes are being held all over the world? It's not because of their name. They have a name. But you know why they want to take American hostages? Because of the name of the United States of America. They operate under that authority. So when you operate under the authority of Jesus Christ, who are they going to be angry at? Are they going to take it out on you, but they're angry at him? But they can't hit him. They can't even get him. So they get you. That person you work with, they get you. person you go to school with, they get you. That person that used to be your friend, they get you. That's the way it is. That person who got offended about something that you said or done, they get you. You see, when God is doing something, the devil always shows up to stop it. And most of the time, he does it in religious skins. Expect it, but don't let it stop you. It, I said expect it, but don't let it stop you. They'll show up in religious skins. We don't have any trouble from the outside world. In fact, opposition from the outside world helps us. Church always, you know, the church grew its most during its greatest persecution. You know why we're not being persecuted today? Because we're not doing much in the name of Jesus. Not much persecution. R.G. Lee, the great pastor, was told by a lady one day as he walked out the door, she said, I, I didn't like your sermon. He said, neither did the devil. Classify yourself. <laughs> So that could offend some people. Boy, if he lived in this day and time, he'd been, they'd have had him in jail, wouldn't they? Now, here's the second thing. It could cause you imprisonment, but number two, it could cause you inquisition. And what I mean by that is in verses 5 through 9 of Acts chapter 4, we, we see where it could cause some inquisition. In fact, Jesus' name may cast you in some type of inquiry. You may be put on the spot. You may be put in a place to where you're almost personally investigated about what you believe. Now, the rulers here, as I said, was the Sadducees, so they're the liberals. The elders here are the Pharisees. They're the legalists. The scribes are the lawyers and the writers and the recorders of that particular day. And in verse number six, notice that what normally happens in a church, it becomes a family affair. Kinfolk stick together. 
kinfolk and buddies stick together. You know that? And so that's what happens here. When they got Jesus, who stuck together? Annas and Caiaphas. They stuck together. They took, they took part in Jesus' crucifixion. Caiaphas was the first to suggest Jesus' death in John chapter 11. And then Annas was deposed by Rome, even though he was not the man in charge, he still had the power and he was still held influence. And so they joined together to try to stamp out this name of Jesus being preached, questioned by religious leaders and asked them just where they got their authority. Hmm. Don't you like that? Are y'all back in Acts? Okay, look at verse 7. And when they set them in the midst, they asked, by what power? That's the word authority. Or by what name have you done this? Woo! That just set Peter off. That's like lighting, lighting dynamite right there. And look, look what he says. And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day let be, be examined of the good deed done to this impotent man by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Man, that's a sermon in one verse, isn't it? And so he gave them. He was ready for them. He didn't have to go study. He didn't have to go grab four commentaries. He didn't have to get on his cell phone and call up somebody and say, what's the answer to this question? No, he laid into them right there as he was questioned. You say, well, how do I handle that? I, I don't know as much about the Bible as I should. Well, none of us know as much about the Bible as we should. I love the Word of God, I, 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 but I don't, I, and I've read it many, many times, and I don't know nearly as much about the Bible. In fact, nearly every time I sit down to read a text, I see something I didn't see before. I read it a hundred times. And so in verse number eight, look, look what it says. And Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said to him, you want, let, me, let me give you how you can handle when you're put on the spot and ask questions about what you believe, okay? First of all, you need to be filled with the Spirit. If you mess around living the flesh half the time and somebody comes up and asks you a spiritual question, well, you don't, you don't have a chance of giving them a spiritual answer. Be filled with the Spirit. By the way, this is what, third time Peter's been filled? Yeah, you see, you just keep getting filled. And let me tell you something, you, keep, you need to keep getting filled. You need to keep getting filled. And so, be filled with the Spirit. Number two is when you're filled with the Spirit, you will know exactly what to say if you're saturated with the Word of God. Let me tell you why. Look at Matthew 10, verse 16. Matthew 10, verse 16 and even though he was talking in a different era, it still will work today. Listen, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. I read, I've already read that to you. But look at verse 19. When they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak. 
for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Spirit of your Father which speaketh in you. You may say, man, I went away. I really blew this. <laughs> I, really, I, I, I wish I'd have said this. And I, do you all ever do that? You get back in your car or you run into somebody at Walmart uh, uh, or you nearly hit somebody at the red light and holler at them uh, and you, and you, and you, or you run into somebody uh, in, a, in a business somewhere and, and, and you, you get to talking to them about the Lord and, and when you get through, you walk away and you say, I'm just, I wish I'd have said this and I wish I'd have said that and I wish I'd have said, listen, listen, listen. You may, you may have said exactly what the Spirit of God wants you to say if you were filled with the Spirit of God. Mm. Let me give you another. Look, look at 1 Peter 3. Satur, saturate your heart with the Word of God. 1 Peter chapter 3. I tell every young preacher, sometimes it backfires on me, but I tell every young preacher, make yourself a sponge from the Word of God while you're young, because when you get older, you cannot do it. Make yourself a sponge when you're young, because the older you get, the less you retain. Y'all believe that? All you old people said yes, didn't you? You young people don't know yet. You just wait. You just wait. Look at First Peter chapter 3, verse number 3. First Peter chapter 3, verse number, I'm sorry, verse number 13. And who is he that will harm you if you be followers of that which is good? But and if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are ye, and be not afraid of their terror, and neither be troubled. That means even if they get ticked off at you. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Always ready to give an answer. I've got two or three on my computer right now from, from radio broadcasts where people's asking me questions about, uh, especially the sermon I preached on baptism. And I get some of those questions from time to time. You've got, sometimes you're put on the spot in particular places, and you say, what do you do? You just, you just tell it like it is. Tell it like it is. Sometimes there's people out of the will of God not living for Jesus, and they have caused problems, and, 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 and they're just, that things is just not right in their life. And they say, come on, let's go eat. I'm sorry, God told, told me not to eat with you in 1 Corinthians. Why would God do that? Because you ought to love his church so much not to get to eat with God's people ought to break your heart. And you ought to come and say, God, forgive me of my sin. I want to be restored to the fellowship of the church. When you get put on the spot, you get bumped into somebody and they try to back you in a corner be ready always are y'all ready now here's the third thing um, inspiration this could happen to you inspiration verse 10 through 12 the name of Jesus carries with it inspiration verse 10 verse 10 tells us he gives the gospel as the power of this man's wholeness in other words this man did not stand there just bodily whole this man stood there totally whole. 
What I mean by that, he was whole, body, soul, and spirit. Right? 1 Thessalonians 5.23 down. And that passage will describe how that when we live our life as a child of God, and Paul was writing that to the church at Thessalonica, who was having a trouble, you remember, with the second coming and whether they stayed saved and all those kinds of issues that people were raising. And he said, remember this, that God is going to keep you and he's going to hold you and he's going to make sure that nothing happens to you, body, soul, and spirit. Your body can't go to hell. Spirit can't go to hell. Your soul can't go to hell because he's got you. Isn't it good? And so in verse 11, he, he backs to the Old Testament like Jesus did in Matthew 21. And uh, that's about, that's their, that was their Bible, the Old Testament. And he gave them the passage about the stone that the builders rejected and that was Jesus, but God put him as the cornerstone and the building of the church. Without him, we'd all fall apart, wouldn't we? So let this world know this, because I've got to quit just a moment. Let this world know this. Verse number 12 ought to be written on your heart and mind. There is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved by the name Jesus Christ, right? His name and everything his name stands for is how we're saved. You say, come to our church and our church will save you. No, it won't. Now, come to our church, and I hope we'll tell you how to get saved. By repenting of your sins, by turning to Jesus and saying, God, I can't believe. Would you help me? I want to trust you. I want to believe everything that happened on Calvary was enough to pay for my sin, and I'm willing to turn from my sin. If you'll, if you'll grant me repentance, and God, I come to you in faith, and God will save you and change your life right there. That's all it takes, folks. He didn't make it hard. That's why he took a little child and said it right in the middle of us. Said, check this out. But then look at the last thing is the impression that was made. Look, first of all, they were impressed by their boldness. <laughs> they said, these old boys, they hadn't. They went to, they have no education. They have no, no schooling. They, they don't have anything. They have no degrees. They have no labels. They have nothing except the fact they've been with Jesus. That's pretty good credentials. Been with Jesus. Wouldn't it be nice if you could go home to, today or go to school tomorrow or go to work tomorrow and people look so, what's wrong with you? Well, what in the world's happened to you? What, what? You, something's changed about you. What's happened to you? All you got to say is, I've been with Jesus. I've been with Jesus. Well, if you'll act right that day before the day's over, they might won't be with Jesus. Amen? Now, if you get mad and cuss your machine out in the next 30 minutes, no. It's over. But there's a, uh, he gives us that boldness that, that he wants us to have. And then, of course, 
they had an exhibition. They had the guy that had been born and they had known him all his life, sitting at the same place begging, and now he was jumping and running and leaping and dancing and having a good time, and all they had to do and say, well, the name of Jesus, we got to get this stopped because we can't deny that dude right there. You see, folks can't deny that God has done something in your life, whether they receive Christ or not or whether they love Christ or not. But when they see you leaping and dancing and they know God has done something in your crippled, broken, hurt life, they will say, they must have been with Jesus. Something's happened to them. And that's what happened. They said, we've got to shut them up because everybody's going to see that dude. But they couldn't do anything to him because all the people had done seen him. And they said, if we do anything to him, the people will. We got, we'll, have a, uh, we'll have all kinds of, uh, of problems on our hands. So we just better just threaten them really good and let them go. And Peter said, threaten us all you want to. Threaten us all you want to. And I remember some of those days when I got those threats. Now, we asked folks left the church, we don't go to church, it's going to have trouble like that in it. Well, in other words, you're chicken. <laughs> chick, 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 chick. Chicken heart. They'll call, threaten, threaten this, threaten that, threaten this, threaten that, threaten this, threaten that. Peter said this, I don't care what you say, whatever God says trumps it. See, see, there is a place for civil disobedience. And this is the place for civil disobedience. If what God tells you to do is above what man tells you to do, you do not do what man tells you to do. You do what God tells you to do. Y'all with me? And so, I'd like for Hillcrest Baptist Church just to understand that we have some clout that we're not using. We've got a powerful name that we can state and we can stand and we can claim and we can declare and we can use it to serve. When you say Martin Luther King, uh, some people bow, but Jesus never bends. When you say Pope, some Catholics around the world will bow, but Jesus never moves. When you say Putin, which is, I want to laugh every time I say it, but when you say Putin, there's some folks who will bow. When you say rocket man, there's some people who will bow. But Jesus is not moved. When you say Muhammad, a third of the world and almost a half now will move. When you say President Trump, some of America bows, the other whole signs up. But Jesus has never moved. When you say the Queen of England, some bow, but Jesus is not moved. But when you say Jesus, the devils cry out, Satan is disturbed, and the angels start singing. And the clout that we have behind us 
is more powerful than the clout of anybody in this world has. It's about time we took it to work. It's about time we took it to school. It's about time we took it everywhere we can and stand in the name of Jesus. Because you say, well, I feel a certain way. Why, why do you need to feel a certain way? As long as God's getting it done, you don't have to feel a certain way. Just stand where he said stand. Stand the way he said stand. Stand when he said stand. And be ready to give an answer to every man that asketh thee. And don't only do that, but be aggressive. You go after them before they come after you. 